Hey everybody, this is No Bones About Wrestling. I'm your host, Asa, and I am here with Kay Fabulous. Hey. And this is your AEW Double or Nothing Recap and Review Show. Let's get right to it. The pay-per-view was May 28th, 2023 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City, as they call it. You may better know it as one of the cities that they rebuild society in in Stephen King's The Stand. Bum, bum, bum. We got started off with the Blackjack Battle Royal for the AEW International Championship. Great way to start the show. It was, yeah. Orange Cassidy the went in as the international champion, put his belt on the line in this battle royal where the the winner, whoever was the last man standing in the battle royal, would be the international champion. So yeah. pretty brave, uh, either brave or foolish, however you look now, at it. I think that this is just another of many examples of why Orange Cassidy is one of the best champions that I've seen in wrestling because he is constantly defending his belt and putting it on the line. And he wants... To ha- others to have those opportunities, you know? I will note, we were on a uh, on a watch-along with last week in wrestling. Kay Fabulous cosplayed Orange Cassidy. Yes, I did. <laughs> so she is biased there. Hey. But, no, she's right. He is, uh, maybe at this moment, maybe the best champion in wrestling. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed his title reign more than any other in wrestling mm-hmm. that I can think of right now, yeah. Well, especially when you look at when M- when M- when we get to the Fatal Four Way, when MJF enters, they put up on the screen his twenty twenty three record, and he's two and zero. So he's <laughs> only defended his record twice since January. Defended his I mean, sorry, defended his champion twice since January. Uh, and Orange Cassidy, I mean, geez. That guy's on a yeah on a every sprint. week yeah. twice twice a week sometimes yeah, sometimes twice a week yeah with rampage. All right, so what do we got in the so battle royal? the blackjack battle royal? We both predicted Swerve Strickland to win the international championship. We didn't think Orange would come out of it. So the blackjack battle royal, it's called that because they're in Las Vegas and there's twenty one men in the battle royal. Uh, Swerve Strickland. And Brian Cage, they wait to enter. So we just have 19 men in at the start. And Swerve Strickland and Brian Cage wait, uh, standing in the entryway with Prince Nana. Can I say that one thing that was weird about this battle royal is that more than half the team or half the people weren't in the ring when it started. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but... Like, like Brian Cage and Swerve were definitely setting themselves apart by not even getting off the ramp. But I'd say, like, half the teams didn't start in the ring. Teams? Which, oh no, not teams. I'm sorry. Half the uh, the entrants didn't start in the ring, which is unusual, at least for the Battle Royals I've seen in the past. I did not notice that. Yeah. Yeah, there was about, I'd say, maybe 10 men in the ring and 10 men on the outside. Hmm. That is odd. Uh, so this one, so at uh, we both predicted Swerve Strickland uh, to win. I was cheering, however, I was cheering for Commander to win. Who were you cheering for? I was cheering for Commander also. Yeah. 
Love, it's weird that we, that we picked the same person and we cheered for the same person. Maybe we just are getting really good at convincing each other of things. Maybe. Or we can just recognize awesomeness when we see it. Yeah. But uh, Commander did his running the ropes spot. Uh, he did it once, and uh, I, I think before he had entered the ring, he did it once and jumped onto someone outside of the ring. He did like a flip off the ropes after he ran them. And landed on, I want to say, four or five different people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at first I was worried that he just disqualified himself, but it was before he had officially stepped into the ring, so it yeah. wasn't, a, wasn't a disqualification move. So Commander went to do that again, and the move proved foolish. You know, in a battle royal, don't get on the ropes. Don't climb the turnbuckle. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you can do. And Commander tried his running the rope move. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish, and Jay White just pushed him off the ropes and, and eliminated mm-hmm. him. Uh, we also saw Penta El Cerro Miedo. He accidentally eliminated his uh, tag team partner, Ray Phoenix, his brother. Uh, and this came down to, and eventually Brian Cage did enter the ring. Eventually Swerve Strickland did enter the ring. And it came down to the final four. Uh, Orange Cassidy, the international champion, Big Bill, Swerve Strickland, and Penta. That was a cool final four. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you couldn't was, go wrong. Yeah, it was good to see Big Bill get some some spotlight time. Yeah, Big Bill may be the most underutilized person in AEW. That's a bold statement. There's, there, a, there's, there's a several, big roster there. There are several underutilized people, but he may be the most underutilized mm. person. I'll, I'll say he's, he may be the most underutilized heavyweight. I'll, I'll say okay. that. Yeah. Uh, so out of, out of those four, it comes down to Orange Cassidy and Swerve Strickland. And they're in the ring together for a couple minutes, and they give us a great couple minutes. I oh, want, my God. I yeah. want an Orange Cassidy Swerve Strickland one-on-one match now. I want a feud. I want yeah. this to be a series of matches. It yeah. was it was excellent. I got so sucked in that, like, that's where my notes stopped happening. Which yeah, went, me, yeah. yeah, me too. I wish I'd taken more notes. Um, so it comes down to Orange and Swerve are battling on the ring apron. As Swerve is hanging on to the ropes. And Orange kicks his hands, and Swerve goes gra- grabbing and clutching for the ropes, but all he <laughs> is grabbing is air, kind of like a, a you know a, like a cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> and he falls backwards and onto the floor. Orange Cassidy wins the battle royal, retains the international title. Excellent battle yeah. royal. Four bones out of five. This is four and a half bones for me. I felt like it was very well done. It was well paced. Yeah, there was great. there was a good division of action, you know, where it wasn't like all the stuff was happening in the ring or on the outside. Um, sorry, are you ready for my comments? Because I just sort of jumped in there and started commenting. Sure. Okay. Um, so first of all, the first guy eliminated, I believe, was your man Tony Nice. It's like a rule that if he's in some sort of competition, he must be the first one eliminated. Um, I thought there was really good tag work from the Lucha Brothers, not surprising since they're the current Ring of Honor tag champions. Um, But I felt like they were really the only tag team in there that worked well together in trying to 
eliminate. I guess we saw some of that from Jay White and uh, Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, we saw them, of course, team up on Ricky. Yeah, which there's an impressive, I didn't know what to call it, so I called it a self-save by Ricky Starks, where, like, he hung off the ropes on the outside for a while, flailing with his feet not touching the ground. And the way that he pulled himself up was just really impressive looking. Like, it wasn't just the normal, like, skinning the cat kind of thing. Um, yeah, the way they're they're going after Ricky Starks, Ricky Starks needs to make some friends. Yeah, what's up with or that? Or at least one friend. Yeah. It's weird, because, like, I never watched the Cody Rhodes show, like, that they did with him and his wife, you know? But from the commercials for it, Ricky Starks seems to be featured somewhat heavily on it. Maybe well, he I've... and Cody Rhodes are good friends. Yeah, so, like, now that Cody's gone, does he have no friends? Because he's not really on All Access, and you never see him with anyone. So it's like, did his one friend leave, and now he's friendless? Because that's really depressing. He seems like a nice guy. Kind of like an egomaniac, but I think all wrestlers kind of seem like that. Um... Uh, anyway, there were some Starks did get some licks in on White, which was nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a nice sling blade on Swerve by Penta once we got down to the final four, and then once we were down to the final two, I have that there were two tornado DDTs on Swerve from Orange, both sort of back to back. And then I just got so sucked in, I stopped taking notes. And Swerve did a at one point Orange Cassidy whipped Swerve into the ropes. Uh, Irish whipped him and Swerve grabbed the ropes and did a kind of a, a backflip. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. hadn't seen that before. It, was, it looked like something out of the Matrix, kind of. He grabbed the ropes and, and backflipped to, to stop himself from hitting the ropes. Yeah, he used the rope almost like you see um, gymnasts using the parallel bars. Uh, like, I guess male gymnasts use parallel bars, and I think female gymnasts use the uh, unparalleled bars or whatever they're called. But uh, yeah, he used it like, like a gymnast uses uses a bar. Like he sort of used it as a stiff, stiff rope to like flip himself over on it. It was mm-hmm. really unusual. It was very cool to see. Yeah. So, um, this one we both predicted Swerve Strickland to win. We were both wrong. So we were zero for one. We did get him. We did get the final two though. I mean, he was in the. He almost made it. We almost were right. So we're both 0 for 1 in our predictions. Not a great start as far as our predictions go. Nope. Uh, Up next was the unsanctioned match. We had Chris Jericho accompanied by the Jericho Appreciation Society. That was Jake Hager, Angelo Parker, Daniel Garcia, and Daddy Magic, Matt Menard, versus Adam Cole. And he was accompanied by Roderick Strong and Special Enforcer Sabu. Uh, This one started off, Sabu gets right in the ring. Sabu and Jericho battle each other with chairs. They're dueling chairs. Uh, Very very soon after that, uh, it pretty much breaks down into, it's a fight. Team versus team, basically. And Matt Menard gets put onto a table. Sabu dives off. And puts Menard through a table, and Sabu looks looked to have hurt his back on the move. He was visibly grabbing his back afterwards. Oh, I didn't notice that. And that, that could explain why we didn't see him again, really. 
Yeah, and then very soon after that, Sabu was gone. Well, but everybody left. Yeah, that's true. I mean, very soon after that, the Jericho Appreciation Society, Roderick Strong, and Sabu all disappeared. Was there any kind of explanation for that? What, everyone disappearing? Yeah. I guess they just fought each other to the back. But they didn't they didn't show that. At least I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. They just kind of... It was I, weird, because, like, to make up such a big deal of a special enforcer and, like, and he, that Jericho's going to have this big team on his side, and then for shortly after the match beginnings, them, them all to disappear, it was odd. Yeah, it was odd. I agree. Well, they didn't want to have two anarchy in the arena type things, but uh, you figured Jericho Appreciation Society would have played a larger role and you figured Sabu would have played a larger role. He was out there for maybe, what, three minutes, four minutes? I don't even think it was that. Something it was a very like that. short period of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad to see Sabu. Glad to see him put somebody through a table. I hope he didn't really hurt his back, but he was limping around and grabbing his back. Um, and, and then disappeared. Went to the back. So, I'm not sure what, what happened there. Uh, Jericho went for lion salt early on and got kicked in the stomach by Cole. Uh, got, uh, Jericho got Cole in the walls of Jericho. Cole grabbed a fire extinguisher and shot Jericho, uh, to get out of it. Uh, eventually Jericho hit a code breaker, got a two count off of that. Jericho got a kendo stick and started whooping Cole with it. Rip Baker came out, and she started kendoing Jericho. Soraya of the Outcast came out. Britt started kendoing her, a, a measure of revenge for Dr. Britt mm -hmm. Baker, DMD. Uh, Jericho threw a chair at Cole, hit him in the head. Yeah, I, I, it was, I know. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, it was hard, too. I was I was a little worried for Cole, you know, just coming back from a concussion. Two concussions. Oh, was that right? Two yeah. concussions. Yeah, the chair hit him right in the head. Uh, and Cole fell backwards through through a table. Mm -hmm. He did a great fall, too. It was like, the way he sold it, it was like the chair had, like, knocked him out, and he just kind of, like, went limping through the table. It was a, it was a great table fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jericho brought out handcuffs. Cole got a hold of the handcuffs and handcuffed the two of them together. You should point out these are not regular handcuffs. Yeah, these are right. handcuffs on like one on each end of like a, I don't know, like eight to 12 foot chain. Yeah. Like thick chain, not like little police chain, but like junkyard dog kind of chain. Jericho started whipping Cole with the chain. Eventually, though, Cole turned the tables. Uh, Cole got control of this chain. He wrapped it around his knee and delivered the boom on Chris Jericho. Uh, he climbed atop Chris Jericho, started beating him with the chain, and kept beating him, and kept beating him, and kept beating him in the face, and kept beating him in the face, until uh, referee Aubrey... Stop the match. Uh, to the dismay of the crowd, to the dismay of the people that we were doing the watch along with, to my dismay. To my dismay. Uh, yeah. 
And so Adam Cole wins via referee stoppage in an unsanctioned match. So stupid. Yeah, so in an you know, in an unsanctioned match, you expect a certain degree and it's not to say, you know, we're bloodthirsty or uh craving violence. I mean, you know, but in a, in an unsanctioned match, you you expect a certain degree of you know, simulated violence, you know? Well, I just, not even violence, just action. And I felt like this just... Oh, violence. I expect a certain degree of, of violence. I guess, yeah. But but not like not like anarchy in the arena level violence. Like, no. Like street fight Not violence. necessarily. Yeah. It should be in between a street fight and anarchy in the arena, yeah. At, at least, yeah. yes. I mean, if it's unsanctioned, there should be something that happens that's, you know, more more brutal, more shocking than you see generally in a, in a match. Something that sets it apart that you wouldn't see in a regular match. Well, so it's it's not just it's not just that. It's like the with the ref stoppage like it wouldn't have bothered me as much if something was happening that I felt like warranted ref stoppage. You know, cuz like the the hand that he was hitting him with wasn't the hand wrapped in the chain. He was just hitting him with his left fist. His right fist was the one with the cuff on it and the chain on it. And so he was just... Are you sure about that? I'm positive because I... Because Jericho's eye started bleeding and I was like, oh my God, did he get hit in the eye with the the cuff? Like, because I was worried about his eyeball. Mm -hmm. And then I looked because Cole was still hitting him and the cuff was on Cole's right hand and he was hitting him with his left. So I didn't see the chain in his hand because I was looking for it to see if that's what split Jericho open or if it was just yeah. maybe from something earlier. Because um, I thought, I, I legitimately thought Aubrey was stopping it because something was wrong with Jericho, which I don't yeah, think at, is the case. Yeah, at first I thought it was a shoot stoppage of the match. I thought something right had actually mm-hmm. happened to Chris Jericho. Yeah. And she and she was shoot stopping the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would be understandable. Right, but, but that's not what happened. But that's not what happened. Uh, I mean, so there is no explanation for this. So this was just bad booking. Yeah. I mean, very good match with a dumb ending. Uh, you know even you know, like? even just you know, t- talking about certain level of unsanctioned uh, or, or cert- talking about a certain level of violence expected. Even if just Adam Cole had been beating Chris Jericho, you know, the ground and pound, they call it, in UFC-type matches. Even if Cole had just been doing the ground and pound and then pinned Jericho, would have been a way better ending mm-hmm. yeah. than this referee stoppage bullshit. Wrestling fans don't like when the referee stops the match. You know, we want to... Wrestling fans like... A definitive winner. They don't mm. like countouts. They don't really like DQs. I don't like knockouts either. I don't mind knockouts. Oh, I don't care for that. But wrestling fans don't like referee stoppages. Yeah. Don't like no contests, draws, time limit draws, that type of thing. We we like uh, definitive winners. And you know this brought back to me memories of in WWE. When 
who was that? Was it Seth Rollins and the Fiend? I don't know where you're, you have to tell me more remember about that? what you're talking it was, about. It was a Hell in the Cell match, wasn't it? And remember, didn't they stop the match? Didn't didn't Seth Rollins, like... He hit him with a sledgehammer. But not, if you're talking about the same match that I'm talking didn't about. Didn't he, like, pile a bunch of stuff on top of the Fiend? Yeah. Like chairs and mm-hmm. uh, ring steps and this yeah. and that. And then they stopped the match, didn't oh, they? Oh, I don't remember the ending. And the boo. And the, and the crowd Oh, the crowd booed. booed. I, I thought that that was... I believe they stopped the match. Oh. I thought it was just because it was a shitty ending. No, I believe that they stopped the match. I could be wrong. I think this was back in 2018. I could be wrong about that. It was like the first Fiend loss, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I believe they stopped the match and the crowd was pissed off. Yeah. We were pissed off. We were booing at home. Yeah. And we were pissed (laughs) off then. Um, That was very different, different character, different case, but we won't get into that now. Yeah. But that's what it reminded me of. Um, but yeah, it just I mean, we had a, a a good match here. It it didn't get as wild as I was expecting. Um, but it was a good match and some some bad booking. I gave this one three and a half bones out of five, despite the despite the bad finish. It felt like to me like the match was like just really getting started. Like I know it, yeah, I know, it was I know just it had, getting into the good part. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. It was like when it felt like you were having like a party and like right when like everyone started like having a really good time, your parents come home and turn the lights on and send <laughs> everyone home, you know? Yeah. So we both picked Jericho in this one. No, I picked Adam Cole. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you picked Adam Cole? I thought you picked Adam Cole too. No. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We both picked Adam Cole. I'm sorry. You were rooting for Jericho, but you picked Adam Cole. I'm sorry. We both picked Adam Cole. Yeah. So we both got this one right. So we were one for two at this point. Uh, We were both cheering for Jericho, but yeah, both picked Adam Cole. Mm -hmm. We were one for two after this one. Up next, we had the AEW World Tag Team title match with special referee Mark Briscoe, who came out with his... Referee shirt where the stripes uh, were not black. The stripes were camouflage. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. That was pretty cool. And he had no sleeves. It was like a sleeveless uh, yeah. ref shirt. Very Mark Briscoe-y. It was nice, nice touch. To show off his shitty tattoos. If you made the money he makes wrestling, wouldn't you get your tattoos touched Dude, up or get some better tattoos? It's like the people in the NBA. They get all their tattoos before they get in the NBA, so they have shitty tattoos. Plus, like, if your tattoo, like, means something to you, you don't necessarily want to get it touched up if it's, like, something that's, like, important to you for most important time in your life. Plus, like, maybe he doesn't think they look shitty. Somebody needs to tell him. So we had the FTR, the champions, defending against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And they were accompanied by Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Karen Jarrett. Uh, early on here, Jeff Jarrett put Cash Wheeler in a figure four, shades of Ric Flair there. Dax hit a falling headbutt to break that up. Uh, FTR hit the Doomsday device, hit the Legion of Doom's finisher. They, twice, I think, right? I'm not sure. I, I saw yeah. one for sure. Yeah, I think I saw it twice. But F- FTR, they like to, 
to do these odes to mm -hmm. great tag teams, which is cool when they do. They did that, and they did the do -si do spot. You know, when you, you Irish whip oh, yeah, yeah. two opponents, or you Irish whip two opponents simultaneously, mm -hmm. they grab each other, do a do -si do reverse it in the middle of the ring, and come back with offensive moves against you. I don't remember that, but well, I will take your word for it. Who, that happens. Who is, who is that? That is uh, a spot that you would see in the in the NWA in the eighties uh, okay. quite a bit. Uh, you'd see like the Rock and Roll Express do that against mm -hmm. the Midnight Express. I really appreciate the uh, history that you bring to my my enjoyment of wrestling. Like yeah. I feel like you give me lots of depth and. You add other layers to the matches than I would see on my own. Yes, I, I like that. Oh, good. Sorry, I'm just interrupting you with compliments. My bad. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but yeah, I like these these odes that FTR does. And as, speaking of you know knowing their history, that's fun when they do these kind of callbacks to to wrestling history and tag teams past. They're huge fans of you know what. Probably is my. It's one. Of, it's hard to say. It's my favorite era, but it's one of my favorite eras of wrestling, which would be you know mid, uh, mid to late eighties NWA Mid Atlantic wrestling, when you had I mean just the crowds were crazy hot, and you had the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Sting. You know, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, Harley Race, just all these great guys. You know, great great guys having great matches. And uh, the fans just going wild for it. Do you think part of that is because they're from North Carolina also? So oh, they were yeah, watching yeah. the same Yeah, of same course. Stuff? Of yeah. course. Um, yeah, we're from, if you don't know, we're from North Carolina. So, mm -hmm. right, the FTR, you know, uh, kind of grew up watching that NWA Mid-Atlantic, although yeah. they're they're probably younger than we. They're younger than we are. I would imagine. At least Cash So they, they didn't grow up watching it, but I'm sure they saw tapes of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is how I... Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow up watching it. I, I saw tapes of it after I got into wrestling. Yeah. Which at first I didn't like. When I first saw NWA Mid-Atlantic, I didn't like it because I... It wasn't cartoonish. Mm -hmm. It was just guys in tights. Except yeah. Sting. Sting mm -hmm. had face paint mm -hmm. and blonde flat top. Yeah. Otherwise, it was just guys in tights with real names. I didn't like that either. <laughs> you know? That's funny. I was used to WWF. Yeah. You know, where in the 90s where you had like Doink the Clown and shit like mm -hmm. that, you know? Yeah. And then everybody, it was like Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, mm -hmm. Lex Luger, people like that in NWA Mid-Atlantic, you know. And like I said, it, people didn't have gimmicks. They, oh. they did have gimmicks, but... But they weren't like over the top. They weren't gimmicks. over the top, yeah. yeah. They were very, they were subtle mm -hmm. gimmicks. If you can even call them gimmicks. Mm -hmm. They were subtle. Interesting. Um, and I didn't like that when I was a kid uh, very much. I liked the the matches, but I didn't like that. But as, as I grew a bit older, I came to appreciate it. And that, yeah, if you if you've never watched NWA Mid Atlantic, it's on the WWE Network. NWA Mid Atlantic, 
just go anything from like 1983 to 1989. Just go. Go watch some. Ricky Steamboat. On Peacock. On, what did I say? You said WWE Network. Yeah, on Peacock. The WWE Network section of Peacock. Um, Yeah, just go watch some. I mean, pick a Starcade 83. I'll give you a random one. Great American Bash 1989. There you go. That there, there's a random one to to go and check out. I mean, just great stuff. If you never watched it before, you, you, you deserve it to <laughs> to go and and watch this. I mean, like I said, the crowds were just on fire. You know, um, is NWA is that the War Games people? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I was I was trying to think if I've seen the NWA, but I have. If the War yeah, Games. that's okay. where right where if you like War Games, which now we do at, I've gotten way off topic, but we'll get back on on topic. <laughs> well, we we're talking about FTR, so we we're talking yeah. about NWA. If you like War Games, which we now do at WWE Survivor Series, it originated in NWA. Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes, I believe, invented it. And that's where it originated, you know, the five-on-five, the match beyond. I Uh, love when wrestlers invent just, like, awesome shit that, like, sticks sticks through the years, you know? Yeah, we're war games, you know, two two rings with a steel cage around both. Uh, You should go, uh, here's another NWA thing. Find war games, the original war games. If you want to see a hot crowd and a fun match, find the original war games or... The second war games. The crowd is just going wild for mm-hmm. these matches because the feuds. It was the you know the four horsemen versus five faces, and the crowds were just eating it up. Um, and even if good stuff, even if you're not into like older style wrestling, the war games will hold your interest. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to yeah. FDR and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Back to, yes, back to this. Uh, let's see, where was I? The Doomsday uh, Mark, device. Mark Briscoe, yeah, Mark Briscoe throws Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh out. Uh, Jeff Jarrett tries to hit Dax Harwood with a guitar, but instead hits Mark Briscoe. So he's out. Uh, FTR hit the Shatter Machine. There is no referee. Uh, Aubrey is coming down, uh, is running down to try and and come and you know and count count the pinfall where we see FTR has has you know would have won the match if a ref had been there to count. Aubrey's coming down to count the pinfall. Karen Jarrett slams her with a guitar, uh, smacks her yeah, smacks her in the head with a guitar, which I believe this was the first big bump that Aubrey has ever taken. Mm-hmm. She's had, like, little shoves, in, yeah. but, but this is definitely the biggest that, mm-hmm. that I've seen. Um, so, Jeff Jarrett gets one of the uh, tag title belts. He hits Dax Harwood with it, and then hits his finisher, the stroke. And, you know, seems like it's over. And Jarrett goes to get Mark Briscoe. He slaps Briscoe. He then gets slapped by Briscoe, who's not putting up with Jarrett's bullshit. And FTR hit the shatter machine on Jarrett. They get the pin and the win. FTR retain their titles. 
So some wild booking after the referee goes down. And a good match, solid tag team mm-hmm. match. Four bones out of five. Fun match here. Uh, Kay, what, anything you want to add about this one? So in you, with you talking about the Shatter Machine, I think I was mixing up the Shatter Machine and the Doomsday Device. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the difference to me really quickly? The Doomsday Device is when one wrestler puts the opponent on his shoulders uh-huh. and a teammate jumps off the top turnbuckle with a clothesline and knocks okay. the opponent off. Yeah. That's the Doomsday Device. That was the Legion of, Legion Doom, of Doom, the Road right. Warriors yeah. okay. finisher. The Shatter Machine is when they they grab, yeah, no, the FTR, one wrestler will will grab the opponent mm-hmm. and he, he takes him, it belly to belly, takes him over his head mm-hmm. and then the teammate grabs him, grabs the opponent, Mm-hmm. And drives him into drives his uh you know head into his knees. Okay, so I think there were multiple shatter machines and yeah. not multiple doomsday devices. Yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, my only notes for this was that Mark Briscoe kind of lost control early on in the match, uh, but then was able to regain control. There was a crazy long figure four by Jeff Jarrett. Um, good suplex series by Dax. And I like Sanjay. Uh, I got to talk for a second about his outfit. Um, so he had on this white suit that had like hand painted giant pencils going down each arm. And then on the back was like a painted picture frame. And then the picture frame was a hand painted portrait of the four of them on Mark Briscoe's farm. And it was just delightful. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this match. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some of the guys that we were watching with were referring to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal as the geriatrics. Yeah. Which I realize they're older, but I feel like they both still really bring it. I mean, oh, yeah. Jay Lethal. Oh, Jay Lethal is probably like one of my favorite people. Oh, they in, can both. They can in AEW. I tell you what. They're they're, they can still work. There's no yeah. doubt. And it's funny, uh, Brian Alvarez. You know, Jeff Jarrett is, I think, 53. I'm, I may be off. He's 50-something. He's early mm-hmm. 50s. And Brian Alvarez says um, Jeff Jarrett can still wrestle in his 50s. He said because, because when he was in his 30s, he wrestled like he was 50. <laughs> <laughs> he's 55. 55. Yeah. So he can so he can still wrestle when he's 55. That's smart. I mean, that's a smart way to have a career. Because he wrestled a match yeah. back then like he was in his 50s, so he can still wrestle the same match. Yeah. As opposed to some people like, you know, like Ric Flair who have to change their style mm-hmm. a bit as they get older. Yeah. Or, or the great Muda who had to totally change his style as he wrestled mm-hmm. into his 70s. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same for Ric Flair, you know, wrestled mm-hmm. into his 70s. But but they had to his, change their style. His final match was with Jay Lethal. It was with Jay Lethal. Um, yeah. yeah, so Jeff Jarrett, the king of longevity. And uh, Jarrett, yeah, he works uh, wherever he goes. Jarrett is a, is a good worker. And people have uh, strong opinions about Jeff Jarrett, I'll tell you that. But 
whether he's been in TNA, Impact, AEW, WWF, WCW, uh, he works, he is reliable, and he will get heat. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like, middle-of-the-road people on Jeff Jarrett. It seems like people either love him or hate him. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. I love him. Like I said, he'll get heat no matter where he goes. So, you want to talk about our our current standings oh, with yeah. this match? Yeah, so we both picked FTR. No. So, I was two for three after that. And, and I was one for three. Kay was... I picked, picked, I picked Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Yeah, she picked Jarrett and Lethal, so she so was one, one for, for three. three. I'm doing terribly. My poor belt, I can feel it slipping out of my fingers slowly. Yeah, the prediction championship yeah. belt on the line, of course. I was able to retain it through uh, Night the of Champions. Champions due to a tie, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we go to the back where Absolute Ricky Starks is being interviewed, and it... If it's an AEW backstage interview, that means it's going to be interrupted. And I thought this was a replay at first, but it wasn't. Bullet Club Gold <laughs> attack yeah, him. Stop it. Bullet Club Gold attack him. Uh, FTR come in and kind of scare them off for the save. Um, so uh, does Ricky have friends now with FTR? Are we going to see a bullet called Gold versus FTR match? I'm not sure what what this is leading towards, or is it just a coincidence because FTR were you know heading to the back because their match just ended? Oh, that's what I kind of took it as. Yeah, I'm not sure. But maybe but not. Ricky needs to make a damn friend or two, so he stops getting his ass kicked by Jay White and Juice Robinson. Well, maybe if FTR does end up helping Ricky Starks, we could have. A new trio, and then maybe Bullet Club Gold can get another member instead of just being a pair. Mm-hmm. They need another member. They do. Yeah, you're not yeah. really a club with just two people. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll be getting another member pretty soon here. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they'll be growing. Uh, also, in the back, Chris Jericho is complaining about his loss to Adam Cole. Uh, he's talking to Soraya. And it turns out, uh, booked for Dynamite this coming Wednesday, Chris Jericho and Soraya versus Adam Cole and Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Should be an interesting mixed tag match. Uh, look mm-hmm. forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I like mixed tag matches, personally. Um, really? I do, yeah. You used to not like them at all. Mm-hmm. WWE mixed tag matches you used to be like super against those when they would do those. Well, I like mixed tag matches sometimes. I like them in AEW. Yeah, I like them in AEW, For too. sure. In WWE, they can be very formulaic with mm-hmm. them, so that's yeah. why um, I'm not a big fan sometimes of theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris Jericho, uh, there's a security card backstage, and... Chris Jericho is, you know, I've, what what happens? I think there, so I was writing down stuff. So um, I think they were like throwing shit around. Like it looked like poker chips and like cards and stuff. And Soraya and Jericho were like wrecking a table that was covered and stuff. So a security guard came out to stop them. Oh, and then Chris Jericho uh, throws a fireball in the security guard's face. <laughs> because and says, he's a wizard. And says, I'm a wizard, bitch. <laughs> 
And the crowd seemed to enjoy that. I enjoyed that. Up next, AEW TNT Championship ladder match. TNT Champion Wardlow defending against Christian. Christian uh, was not accompanied by Luchasaurus, surprisingly. Uh, But very early in the match, Luchasaurus, of course, came to the ring. And Luchasaurus chokeslammed Wardlow a a couple times. Uh, At one point, Christian hit a reverse DDT off the ladder on Wardlow. Wardlow took some bumps in this match, I'll tell you that. He's got to be sore today. Uh, Wardlow hit an Alabama slam onto Christian onto a ladder. That was one of the bigger bumps that Christian took. Uh, Eventually, uh, you know, because Christian and Luchasaurus were out there, Arn Anderson figured he had to do something, so he came uh, jogging down to the ring. Uh, Wardlow jumped onto the ladder. Christian fell off. And they they started fighting. They were they started fighting on the outside of the ring. Arn Anderson gets inside the ring. Uh, Luchasaurus grabs a hold of Arn Anderson, and grabs a hold of his head at one point, and his his hand goes near Arn Anderson's mouth, and Arn Anderson bites his thumb, and then. His thumb starts bleeding. There's blood everywhere. But here's the thing. (laughs) Is that before Arn Anderson bites, quote, bites Luchasaurus's thumb, end quote, you can see Arn Anderson very visibly has something in his mouth. He is making, like, a crazy face. Yeah, his cheeks are puffed up like a blowfish. He looked like he looked like a garbage pail kid. Yes, he did. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he looked ridiculous. Very visibly something was in his mouth. Yeah. Uh and 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 very visibly he was spitting this substance out mm-hmm. when Luchasaurus's thumb went into his mouth. Yeah. It was a terrible spot. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it went terribly. Uh, and then when he pulls his thumb out, it looks like all mangled. Like I think, I I feel like they had to like have something in Arn's mouth besides just the liquid that Luchasaurus like put his thumb into. Because when he pulls his thumb out, or he had tape on his hands or something, and Arn used his teeth to like peel the tape a little bit, because it looked like there was like flesh peeled off, I which think, clearly there wasn't. But I think it was tape. Yeah, I think it was, I think tape, it was tape. But it was I I loved it. Lord, that was, was terrible. It was terrible. Arn Anderson looked ridiculous. He looks ridiculous. With I this, agree. With his cheeks puffed out, <laughs> it was it was something. Uh, okay, so uh, Christian was uh, going up the ladder, getting the belt. Arn Anderson push him pushes him off the ladder. Wardlow catches him and uh, super power bombs him. Wardlow. Walks up the ladder, grabs the belt, and retains still the TNT champion. Uh, pretty good ladder match. Uh, oh, before that, I, one one big spot I missed. 
uh, Wardlow put Luchasaurus on a ladder, uh, excuse me, on a table, uh, climbs the ladder, and then there's a, another table right beside the the table that Luchasaurus is on. Uh, Wardlow climbs a ladder, jumps off, hits a swanton bomb that puts Luchasaurus through the table, and then he he himself, Wardlow, goes through the second table. So puts his own body on the line to put Luchasaurus mm-hmm. through the table. Uh, that was a pretty cool spot. He he just barely put Luchasaurus through the table, but he he got it. No, because when they were so that's that's part of the poor camera angle work of AEW. Because the first when they first showed it happening like live, it looked like just his head hit Luchasaurus. Mm-hmm. But then it they showed it from two different up, angles. Yeah. yeah, it was like his torso, mm-hmm. and so he got a way bigger piece of it than it looked like from the first camera angle. Yeah, um, true. Because at first it looked like it was just like his head, like barely touching him. But I mean, obviously there was enough force to push him through the table. And then with that overhead shot, it was really clear that like the upper half of Wardlow's upper body got him too. Yes, good match. Mm -hmm. Uh, Four bones out of five. Uh, Both guys came to work and Wardlow was getting knocked into and off of ladders left and right. At one point he jumped onto a ladder and broke... Broke it. <laughs> that was one of my notes that I was going to mention. And, uh, and you I know, still tried to use it. And, and then I was he, like, right, he still tried to use it. Out. Yeah, and they had to put it aside and get a different ladder. Um, he seemed very irritated by that. Yeah. Because at one point, Rick Knox, the ref, came in to hold the, la- the broken ladder for him, which I think just made the broken ladder even more off balance. And then he just kind of like, where they just chucked it to the side in frustration. Yeah, that was near the end of the match. That uh, Christian was on the ladder. Warlow jumped onto it, mm-hmm. broke several rungs of it, and, like twisted it. Yeah, it was very with his weight, yeah. which which makes you ask, what the fuck kind of metal are these ladders constructed of? I would guess aluminum. Aluminium. Mm, sure. Aluminium. Mm-hmm. That's what I say in my head when I have to write aluminum, so I know how to spell it. It's just as it sounds. Aluminum. Aluminum. Anyways. Anyway. So four bones out of five. Uh, we both picked Wardlow to win. So at this point, I was three for four. And K was two for four. Up next, the AEW Women's World title match. Yeah. Champion Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm of the Outcasts. And uh, when they introduce Jamie Hayter, there's a bit of a, a delay in her coming out. And, you know, the the reports were that her shoulder's injured and apparently legitimately is injured. And so she, they, they announce her and she's not coming out. And she's not coming out. And then eventually she comes out, but she's getting beat up by... The other two outcasts, Ruby Soho and uh, Soraya, and and Soraya, yeah, yeah. Thank she's you. like she's like not even walking out; she's like crawling out to try and get away from them. Yeah, um, and then they get closer to the ring. Ruby Soho sprays spray paint in Hater's eyes. Uh, oh, I missed that. Yeah, and then Sheeta comes down, and she attacks Soho. 
to kind of get them off of Jamie Hayter. This match doesn't go very long because Jamie Hayter actually is injured. So they just, they do a very short match to get the belt off of Hayter and onto Tony Storm. Yeah, Uh, my girl. Tony Storm hits Storm Zero, what was this, four minutes long? Oh, yeah, like maybe. Uh, Tony Storm hits the Storm Zero, gets the pin and the win. New Women's World Champion, the first two-time Women's World Champion, Tony Storm of the Outcasts. Wait, does it count if her first one was interim? Yes, it does. Okay. Eventually, it was made oh, was it? non-interim. Oh, okay. But yes, it counts. Uh, this match That's cool. wasn't much of anything. It was short. Mm-hmm. They probably should have just vacated the title and had a real match between two contenders. Uh, I gave this match two bones out of five because what was there was pretty decent, but what was there was just a four-minute match where one of the competitors was injured. So So can I ask a question? This match made me think that she wasn't really injured because they played up the injury so much, and she like during the middle of the match, she pulled... The tape off of her shoulder, and like, like she pulled her the tape off of her own shoulder. Jamie Hader did, and uh, Tony Storm was targeting the shoulder so much with all of her moves. It made me think like, if that was a real shoulder injury, they wouldn't risk doing that. Unless maybe it's her other shoulder, and they just put the tape on the opposite one so that they could have a shoulder to go after. It just seemed odd that they would like treat a legitimate injury. Like a fake injury, you know? Happens a lot. Does it? Yeah. But aren't they worried about, like, worsening the injury? I'm like, sure, when you're slamming them into the I'm steel not sure, steps? I'm, I'm not sure the nature of the injury, yeah. so I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't really say. But she is really injured? From what I've heard, she is actually injured, yeah. I believe okay. she's going to miss some time. I just thought maybe she was going yeah. on vacation. So I'm not sure who, who was going to be the winner, but... They they did this match to get the belt off of Hater and on mm-hmm. you know yeah. because she is injured, and as I said, I think they should have just stripped her of the title and had Tony Storm versus uh, you know a like a face contender, maybe have Tony Storm versus uh, Hikaru Shida is what I'm hoping for. Oh, have Tony Storm versus Shida. There you go. They yeah, should have just what, done that. That um, would have turned out a lot better than a four yeah. minute match where one of the people's injured. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that now that Tony has the belt, that that's going to be what they do. Because Britt Baker has made it very clear that she has no interest in the belt. And so I don't think it makes sense for mm-hmm. her to go after Tony. But I would, and like, just the level of wrestling from both of those women, from Tony and her, uh, and Sheeta, I would just love to see them have a good feud together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited that I like women's wrestling in AEW, you know? Well, and unfortunately, there wasn't much good women's wrestling on this show. No, there was not. But, um, but there is there is some to be excited for, but it wasn't there last yeah. night. We did get three women's matches, which True. I'm guessing is possibly a record for a pay-per-view. Maybe for AEW, yes. yeah. Maybe. Then we had uh, an open house rules match. Which, this was added on to the pay-per-view kind of last minute. Uh, we had the House of Black, of course, defending their World Trios Championship. Uh, 
and they defended it against the acclaimed and Daddy Ass, who won a trios battle royal several uh, weeks ago. It didn't... It was weird. They didn't say that it gave them a title shot or made them the number one contenders, Mm -hmm. but I think that's kind of why they're in this match. But... Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought, I thought maybe it was just a way to have them on the pay-per-view since they weren't in the Battle Royal. Yeah, so this this match was added late. It, it was not on our preview show, but we did pick winners. We picked uh, we picked the House of Black to retain. So uh, the acclaimed, they came out, and Max Caster, of course, did his rap, and he mentioned Dominic Mysterio in his rap. Yeah, it was awesome. Where did, what was the rhyme? It, it didn't mm-hmm. rhyme, actually. No, I think he said rhyme. something about being a cuckold for, you know, uh, because of Dominic Mysterio. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, Buddy Matthews, one-third of the, the House of Black championship team, is actually dating or married to, I'm not sure which, re- dating. dating Rhea Ripley. But, of course, over in WWE, in the storyline, Dominic Mysterio is dating Rhea Ripley. She is his mommy. Uh, so they, they mentioned that in, in the rap. It was pretty funny. Did not expect a Dominic Mysterio reference on, on Double or Nothing, it personally. Nice. That was, it was a great rap. Like I said, some of it didn't rhyme, but it didn't need to. It was excellent. I always enjoy Max yeah. Caster, yeah. And Julia Hart, of course, accompanied House of Black to the ring. And she wore a hat. It looked like she was some sort of, uh, it was like a space sombrero. A space sombrero? Like an intergalactic sombrero. So it had cutouts in it, and then the cutouts were translucent, like, almost like stained glass windows. Yeah, like a, like like something it, it did, you'd see on a spaceship. It, it did kind of look like a flying saucer. Yeah. Um, and she had these like holographic, like witch fingers, but they were like silvery and sparkly. It looked like she put bugles on her fingers yes. and was waving yeah. them around. Exactly, except if the bugles were silvery and sparkly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Bugle fingers. So Bowen's. Uh, Bowens was in for most of this match for the acclaimed. Uh, he hit Scissor Me Timbers on Malachi Black. Did not seem to affect Malachi very much because he grabbed Bowens' leg and got him in a leg bar uh, for quite a bit here. And uh, Bowens was in. Oh, first we'll talk about the House of House uh, House Rules uh, rules. So the countout is 20 seconds instead of 10. There are no rope breaks, meaning if you get pinned under the ropes or if you get in a submission hold and and reach the ropes, there's no rope break. Uh, the disqualification rule is enforced, which I don't know why they have to say that. Uh, and there's a dealer's choice, meaning the challengers get to pick their own rule. Mm-hmm. The acclaimed said, we don't even need to pick a rule because mm-hmm. we're going to win. We don't need to pick our own rule. So that was uh, maybe a little foolhardy by them. What should they have picked? That's a good question. Um, I would pick Bro- like... Brody King's not allowed to wrestle. <laughs> I was thinking Malachi Black's not allowed to use his legs. 
<laughs> he has yeah. to walk on his hands. Yeah. No, no striking with the legs for Malachi Black. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know what would have been to their advantage. Yeah. Well, think about it while I'm talking. Uh, so this match went ju- just under... Uh, I feel like it was like 10, 15 minutes, but, and as I said, Anthony Bowen's in there for most of it. I don't remember Max Caster being in at all. I'm sure he was, but I don't remember him being in. very brief. Brody King got Bowen's down in the corner, uh, hit him with a cannonball, you know, just came running at him, somersaulted onto him. Eventually, Bowen's did get to tag out, got the hot tag to Daddy Ass, who came in, cleaned house, uh, for a bit, uh, but very quickly, Malachi Black hit the Black Mass on Daddy Ass, got the pin and the win. House of Black retain still the World Trios champions. This was uh, a good match. Four bones out of five. Solid match. Uh, I was I was interested how these two teams would uh, would compete three on three. And I'm I'm glad we got to see it. I wish we had seen more participation from Daddy Ass and Max Caster. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen some of the in-ring matchups with Caster and some of the others. Like I said, Bowens did yeoman's work here, did most mm-hmm. of the work. I, I would have liked to have seen the workload distributed a bit more and seen more in-ring matchups. Um but so this one we both picked the House of Black to retain. So I I was five for six on the predictions after this. K was four for six on the predictions after this one. So I came up with a rule. And what rule would you have picked? So either like all men are legal or no tags are necessary. One of those two things. So something to uh, get it so they couldn't isolate Bowens the way they did. Yeah. Um Something that it would have been okay for Caster or Daddy asked to interfere uh, and make it, like, legal. Because, um, yeah, Bowen's carried this match and to the detriment of the acclaimed, you know. Mm-hmm. This is three-on-one, basically. So they feel like they could have put a rule in place to try and prevent that from happening. What do you think? I th- That makes sense, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, the, the House of Black controlled the match, uh, kept Bowens in even when he didn't want to be in, mm-hmm. and they tagged in more. I mean, the three of them just worked on Bowens and, uh, yeah, kept him in, in their corner. Uh, eventually, they tagged in Daddy Ass, like I said, but, you know, he just got... Apparently, it didn't matter who was going to be in there because he just got kicked in the head by Malachi Black, mm-hmm. and that was the end of the match. I mean, you can't do much about somebody's finisher if they're an expert kickboxer and they yeah. kick you in the head. You can make a rule they're not allowed to use their legs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're saying. No kicks? Can yeah. you do that even? I don't know. No kicks? You can, I, guess, I guess you could, Why yeah. not? No kicks. Yeah. There you go. That's a good math. Uh, that's a good rule. No kicking. Because Buddy Matthews is a pretty big kicker too. True. The only one that I don't think would be affected much. What by would you? That would be it sounds kind of silly. How would you put it? You you'd have to put it a different. 
No kicking above the waist. No. No. What is that? No kicks. No let no no. No striking. kicks to the head. No striking with your legs. That sounds better. Yeah, or like no leg strikes. Well, that sounds like you're not allowed to hit their legs. Yeah. Yeah, no striking with your legs. Just say no kicking. Whatever. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, up next, the AEW TBS title match. The champion Jade Cargill, undefeated at 59-0, and 0, came out with smart Mark Sterling and Layla Gray, and she defended her belt against Taya Valkyrie. Uh, this match, uh, pretty decent, actually. Uh, this was the, the best women's match on the show, mm-hmm. which isn't saying a whole lot. At one point, uh, Jade Cargill jumped off the ropes, and Taya Valkyrie met her with a met her with knees, and and it looked painful. Uh, she got kicked in the in the I, crotch, I, I believe. I wrote down Jade got kicked in the cooter. Okay, <laughs> yeah, she got kicked in the in the crotch. We'll say, but yeah, it looked painful. Uh, Taya also hit. She got Jade in the surfboard, preparing for that hold, but she just stomped her face into the mat. I like that move. She mm-hmm. did that the other night. Uh, eventually, however, Jade hit the Jaded, which is the same finisher as Taya. Her finisher is called, what, Road to Road Valhalla, to Taya, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jade hit the Jaded, got the pin and the win, Upping her record to 60-0. and 0. Very impressive. Undefeated. Uh, we both predicted Jade to maintain her nope. undefeated streak. Nope. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I predicted Jade to maintain her undefeated streak. So after this match, I was 6-7. for seven. Uh, Kay picked Taya Valkyrie to unseat Jade. She was wrong. So after this match, she was 4-7. for seven. Which also means I have officially... Lost my belt at this point. Is that right? That's right, because we picked the same for the rest of the show. Oh, that's correct. And yep. I'm two down, so there's So at no this point, back. yes, I had won the prediction championship belt. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you, what did you have to add about this match? Um, There's a really nice, I called it a baseball sla- slide suplex by Taya. Um, it was a very odd move. She, like, flipped uh jade as she slid out between the ropes but it was like a baseball slide on her knees um it was very cool uh and then there was a nice overhand chop by taya and then my jade get getting kicked is the only other note that i have from this match um yeah it was definitely the best women's match nothing to like write home about necessarily um but there were some good spots i felt like they have pretty good chemistry together jade and taya Yeah, I gave it three and a half bones out of five. Um, After the match, smart Mark Sterling issued an open challenge uh, for the TBS title, you know, saying no one can compete with Jade. She's 60 and 0. Uh, She's the best. Who uh, Who can top her? And out comes the returning Chris Statlander. Uh, she storms to the ring, and we have a match. 
And this one was a surprise match, so we we did not make predictions for this match. Although I'd like to point out that I predicted that Jake Cargill would not be leaving the show with her belt. Okay. <laughs> uh, we did not make predictions for this match. Uh, Statlander comes in. She, you know, uh, hits the Big Bang Theory, her finisher, pretty early uh, in 40 seconds. 40 seconds in, she hits her finisher and pins Jade Cargill, ends her streak. Jade Cargill is now 60-1, and one, and Chris Statlander is the new TBS champion. And there was confetti everywhere. Uh, pretty impressive return by Chris Statlander, mm-hmm. and we'll see what she does as the new TBS champion. And we will see how Jade Cargill reacts to... Her first loss. Uh, And we'll also see if maybe... I don't know, Jade Cargill... If this belt starts appearing on uh, Dynamite more. If it gets featured a bit more now. uh, I'm not sure. Hopefully. Hopefully so. Um, If I had to guess, I would guess that Jade Cargill is not going to take this loss well. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, up next, we had the AEW World Title Four Pillars match. Looking forward to this one very much. Champion MJF defended against Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And during his entrance, Sammy Guevara went back to doing uh, dur- doing the cue card bit where he holds up cards with writing on them. He came out with his wife, Ty Mello, and they used the cue cards to announce that she is pregnant with their first child. So congratulations to them. Uh, I, I like, uh, you know, I like the fact that they're on the road together and married and they seem very much in love and it's a beautiful thing, you know. And they have cute cats. And they have cats that they travel with too, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get to this world title match. It was fantastic. Uh, very early on, Sammy, Darby, and Jack Perry all go for a drop kick at the same time and all miss. They all kind of kick each other's feet. Uh, Sammy hits a shooting star press to the outside on everyone. Sammy Guevara was excellent in this match. Uh, Jack Perry hit a poison Rana. Sammy got a frog splash on MJF, got a two count. MJF grabs the house mic and implores Sammy Guevara, think about your family, think about the baby, and tries to get Sammy to lie down. You know, he had a, had a, uh, had a deal with Sammy several weeks ago where Sammy was going to lie down in this main event for a blank check. And then, of course... If it all fell apart, Sammy said, I'm not for sale, this and that. Uh, But here we are, and now Sammy's an expectant father, and Sammy says he will. So MJF makes his way over. Sammy's lying down on the mat, and MJF goes to cover him, and Sammy grabs him, rolls him up, and gets a surprise two count out of it. He was playing possum. 
very soon after that, we get a four-way hold. Uh, each man is putting a submission hold on another. A pretty cool spot. Uh, Darby Allen hits a Canadian destroyer. There are several destroyers in this match. The Darby Allen clotheslines uh, Guevara and Perry over the barricade into the crowd. Uh, Sammy hits Darby Allen with a Spanish fly off the top rope onto Jack Perry and MJF. Probably the craziest spot in the match, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. That was wild. Uh, MJF pulls the dynamite diamond ring out of his tights. Uh, Darby hits MJF with his skateboard, then hits the coffin drop, gets a two count. Uh, Darby does, uh, he sets up Jack Perry for the coffin drop, but MJF takes the world title belt places it on Jack Perry, so when Darby lands the coffin drop, he lands on the belt. So now Perry has been hurt by the coffin drop. Darby has been hurt by landing on the belt. MJF grabs Darby Allen with a side headlock takeover, gets the pin and the win, retains his championship. This was an excellent match. Action-packed. Four and a half bones out of five. Uh, just terrific. Kay, what do you have to, to say about this one? I mean, you did a good job covering, like, pretty much everything that happened. Um, I thought uh, at the beginning where when uh, Jungle Boy, Darby, and Sammy were in the ring by themselves, there was lots of, like, synchronized movements, and it seemed a little too choreographed for me, but that was very briefly. Um, it was, like, probably less than two minutes out of the whole match. Um, and during that time, Jungle Boy did his double arm drag, which I think is dumb. Um, yeah, that he's was got, really he's, stupid. He's got to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, Where he grabs, he grabs a hand of two opponents, yeah. and they just stare at him while he holds their hands and goes and jumps off the ropes, mm-hmm. still holding their hands, and then, you know, flips them both. Yeah. What a fucking stupid spot. That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sammy had a nice frog splash. Uh, did you mention about the crossroads? That I did MJF, not. So, so all four men did like an ode to their mentor. Um, so I think uh, Sammy did the, I want to say, uh, the Walls of Jericho, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, Darby did the... Uh, Scorpion Chibos. Death Drop. Yes, thank you. I was going to call it the Stinger Splash, but that's not what he did. Um, what what did uh, Jungle Boy do? I... The I believe the, the Impaler, I think, is what he did. Okay. And I then, think that's what he did. And then MJF did... Did something of Christians. Yeah, and then MJF did the Crossroads. So I thought that was just a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you saw each of the... Yeah, right, each of yeah. their, their mentors their, like, come out. In the, yeah. yeah. It was very cool. Um, so Chris Jericho, Christian... Cody Rhodes and and Sting, uh, and Sting. Yeah, yeah. yeah um and then I enjoyed the human pretzel the four the four way lock yeah. yeah that was cool um but I thought it was a good match MJF did not cheat as much as I expected him to so that was kind of nice to and see M- MJF was great in this he match was, yeah I mean he was he was the anchor 
Oh, match. absolutely. He, he yeah. held it all together. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like I said, he was the anchor. Everything depended on him being in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Almost, he was the crux of almost every spot. Yeah. Almost every spot. Mm-hmm. Sammy was, kind of was a bit of a focus, too. He was the second yeah. biggest focus just because he did the wildest shit. Mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara is such a risk taker. I, I hope, you know, I hope uh, he never really hurts himself because he yeah. takes some major risks well, that's, regularly. That Spanish fly that he did with Darby, he just did it blindly. Yeah. Like, he just, like, does he does he just, like, jump and then just hope to God that no, he lands okay? Good. I mean, I mean like, he always, he's just, he always hits his mark. But how does he even know where his mark is? He was facing the opposite direction. I like, I don't, I don't even understand I don't know. how he, you could do that. He's just really move. good at yeah. gauging the distances. That's amazing. He's such amazing. A, such a talent. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Yeah. Who were you for? I was for Sammy. I was but, for Sammy. But I thought MJF was going to win. Yeah. Oh, everybody thought MJF yeah. was going to win. And so uh, we both predicted MJF to retain. So after this match, I was seven for eight. So this pay-per-view, pretty predictable for me. Not so much for me. Not so much uh, for for Kay. She uh, predicted MJF, so she was five for eight after this match. You know, the two matches that I did not predict correctly were the two that I never actually circled on my prediction sheet because I couldn't decide who to pick. And so I picked the opposite of who you picked. Well, three. You missed three so far. Oh, I meant the... Yeah, not gonna, I wasn't counting Orange Cassidy. I was talking about the FTR and the um, oh. Jade Cargo one. All right. Yeah. Uh, up next, we had the main event... The Anarchy in the Arena match. We had the team of the Elite, which was Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and the Young Bucks. And they took on the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Ring of Honor World Champion Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Utah. This was a wild one. Uh, band called uh, the Violent... Idols played John Moxley's entrance music, Wild Thing, a cover, you know, cover of Wild Thing by the Trogs, I believe is the band who did that. And they were pretty cool. But the lead singer, I believe, was in blackface. No. He I mean his face was painted. He had half of a mask on the top half of his face, which was black. And then he had the sides of his face painted black and then a red stripe down like the center from his nose and mouth. It looked like blackface, so he should not have done that. You said no. That's what I just said. He did blackface. And you're like, no. He just had a black makeup on his face and a red mouth. Well, no, but it wasn't like done in the traditional style of blackface. I'm aware, but it was not a smart thing to do. No, it was a very stupid thing. I don't know. That wasn't smart What was he doing? It was not not a smart thing. So I, I I don't know if AEW has caught any blowback from that yet, but yeah, I mean I I right like she said it wasn't in the traditional blackface style. I think the guy was just painting his face black with red lipstick, but it was uh, it was not smart. it was not smart. Yeah, no. But back to the match here. 
Uh, match starts off everywhere because uh, the Blackpool Combat Club enter through the crowd. So some of the match starts in the ring. Some of the match starts in the audience. And Hangman Adam Page crotches Brian Danielson on an arm rail in the crowd. And and he pushes him down the, the arm rail, sliding down it, crotches him the whole time. And Danielson gets hit with a trash can at the end of the rail. Uh, in, in the ring, Hangman removes his leather uh, eye patch, throws it at, at Danielson, telling him he's going to need it. Takes out a screwdriver and I believe is preparing to gouge out Danielson's eyeball. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one point, the referee, Rick Knox, was bleeding. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, me either. But his he was bl- busted open right in the center of his bald head and was, had blood running down his face. Uh, the band, the Violent Idols, were still playing Wild Thing. They played it several times. Were kind of mm-hmm. jamming on it. Yeah. The band was cool. It was it was nice. It, you know, it reminded me uh, in back in ECW, New Jack, what he used to do was he brought a shopping cart full of weapons to the ring, and his entrance music was a song, I think it was called, like, Natural Born Killers, and his music would play the whole time during his match. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like the theme of his violent destruction of his Mm -hmm. opponent. And that is what this reminded me of. We had a, you know, a band, we had a musical accompaniment to this yeah. To this violence. I think it really added to it. Oh, it did. It was awesome. Yeah. It yeah, was very was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, but they played for, for a bit until the Young Bucks super kicked the lead singer. Uh, Moxley was a bloody mess. Uh, near the entranceway, Moxley turns over a giant poker chip on the set to reveal that the back is covered in barbed wire. Moxley suplexes Kenny Omega onto the barbed wire. Uh, He stabs Omega in the head with a fork. Uh, Omega drops Moxley onto the barbed wire poker chip. Uh, Moxley throws a steel chair right at Omega's head. Another steel chair shot right at the head. AEW, you guys got to cut it out with that. We don't need concussions for wrestlers. You can't mm-hmm. can't be doing that. Stop it. Um, Nick Jackson hit an awesome Hurricane Rana on Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, John Moxley hit a gotch-style pile driver on Nick Jackson. Matt Jackson uh, came in and hit a hit a super kick on Moxley, but when he did, a, like a firework went off. On his foot, like yeah. from his foot yeah, to like, Mox's face. Yeah, it was like an explosive on his foot. Yeah. That was pretty cool. It was awesome. I don't understand how they did that, but Me yeah. Me either. He hit and him. how Mox is okay. Yeah, yeah. that seems like crazy, stupid, seems dangerous. Seems dangerous, yeah. But yeah, he hit a, hit a firework super kick on, the, on Moxley. Uh, Hangman Page hit a buckshot lariat onto Wheeler Yuta. Got a two count out of that. Um, John Moxley uh, puts out uh, thumbtacks into the ring. 
He grabs Matt Jackson and drops him. He's he's taken off his his wrestling boots and drops Matt Jackson in bare feet into this pile of thumbtacks. And we can see the thumbtacks sticking in Jackson's feet. Oh, that was like the worst part. Uh, Omega hits a V-trigger on Claudio. Uh, Danielson grabs Omega and hits the, the, the hammer and anvil elbows, starts pounding on Omega. Omega turns the tables, grabs Danielson, hits the one-winged angel. No one's ever kicked out of that. Uh, Yuta breaks it up, though, at a two-count. Hangman uh, hits a running shooting star press on Wheeler Yuta. Omega with a V-trigger on Yuta. They were just tearing Yuta up at this point in the match, trying to go for the what they saw as, I guess, the weakest member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, and then a man uh, with his face covered, uh, a man attacks Omega, uh, and Yuta pins Omega with the seatbelt pin. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club win the match, and the man takes off the covering, the face covering. It's Kanosuke Takeshita. Uh, it's a pretty big heel turn. Yeah, big heel turn. So Takeshita, I guess, is in the Blackpool Combat Club now, I, I guess. that's. I feel like that's where they were going uh, with that. Don Callis, after the match, he takes off his belt and starts choking Omega with it. And the Blackpool Combat Club are in the ring with Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita. Is, is Callis with them now, too? I don't know. This match was terrific. Nonstop action. Action everywhere. Blood everywhere. I didn't mention everyone who was bleeding. Danielson was bleeding. Paige was bleeding. Moxley was bleeding. Nick Jackson. Uh, Nick Jackson was bleeding. Lot. I'd never seen the young mm-hmm. one of the young bucks bleed. Mm-hmm. Uh, were, were those all the bleeders? Well, and Rick Knox. Rick Knox, yeah, the referee was bleeding. This match five. Oh, Matt bu- Jackson's foot was bleeding. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Matt Jackson was also. All right. This match five bones out of five. Mm-hmm. This was wild. Great main event. Great way to end the show. Great way to officially really start this feud going, match-wise at least. I mean, we have so many, you know, tag team, trios, singles, combinations we can get out of this elite Blackpool Combat Club feud. I mean, we have some of the best wrestlers in the world here. We are living in, in a golden age right now. We've got Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson on one side, uh, you know, Claudio Castagnoli, you got the fucking Young Bucks, Omega, Hangman Page on the other side. Think about the matches we're going to get this summer. Think about the match we just saw last night. And, and we you know, they aren't all going to be, you know, uh, garbage, you know, violence matches. We're going to get some technical matches as well. We are truly blessed to have this feud. <laughs> blessed as wrestling fans. Uh, I can't wait to see where this feud is going. Um, so after after the show went off the air, the reports from from fans in the arena 
Kenny Omega got on the mic and said that he knows one or two guys outside of AEW who can help the elite even the odds. And a lot of folks think that these guys will be Kota Ibushi and Kazuchika Okada. Uh, they are wrestlers from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I don't know anything about them. Uh, I know American wrestling. Um, I know that people hold them in very high regard and that they work for New Japan. And that is all that I know about them. So we'll see if they, if they show up and help the elite, even the odds here. Uh, Kay, do you have anything you, you want to say about this wild match? It was so awesome and so engaging that I literally wrote nothing down. Um, but I just loved all of the spaces in which they wrestled. Um, like they went into the concourse yeah. area yeah. for a while, like by the concession stands. They were in the stairwell. They went outside and were in the bed of a truck. Um, yeah. They were uh, up got, on the stage. One, one Matt of, Jackson. Matt Jackson got pile drive, pile driven in yeah. the bed of a truck, yeah. in the bed of a pickup truck. Yeah. Um, it was just neat to see and like creative uses of the spaces, like um, with the hangman using the railing as, as a weapon, essentially, you know, with Danielson. I just thought very clever uses of the space. Um and then to have, like, a giant poker chip that was covered in barbed wire and broken glass taped to it. Um, we just had some fun things planned for this match, and they all came across very well. Yeah, it was called Anarchy in the Arena, and, man, they fucking named it right. Yeah, it's accurate. Anarchy in the Arena. This match did not disappoint. Yeah, and I think some people were expecting the Four Pillars match to go on last. I kind of expected it to. I but didn't. after this match, I'm really glad that the Four Pillars match didn't go on after it. I feel like this was what they needed to end yeah, on. There's no way that could have followed yeah. this match. And especially with, with the, the return of Takeshita. Mm -hmm. the, the, the return and turn of Takeshita. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't think for a second that the Four Pillars was going on last. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew this was going to be the main event. Oh, and we both picked um, we both picked the elite to win, so we were both wrong. So I finished seven for nine in my picks, pretty good if I say so myself. Uh, Kay did not fare so well; <laughs> she was five for nine in her picks. Still better than fifty percent. Yeah, still better than fifty percent. Yeah. So I won the prediction championship belt. I know you all are very uh, concerned with who has the prediction championship belt. So I'm concerned with it at all times. Oh, she is very yes, concerned. Yeah. yeah, you better it, believe it. It plagues me. I'm super competitive. So the fact that I have lost this belt, devastated. Uh, so folks, that, that was it for Double or Nothing. Uh, match of the night. Obviously, was the Anarchy in the Arena match. It was, it was terrific. Very close second was the Four Pillars match. Mm -hmm. And probably the third best match was the Battle Royal. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the opening Battle Royal. Me mm too. -hmm. And as we said earlier, yeah, let's get some Orange Cassidy versus Swerve Strickland matches going. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be a great feud to see. 
Kay, do you have anything you want to add before we before we leave? Um, nope. Just the next time you can expect to hear from us is tomorrow. Thir- uh, oh no, no, not tomorrow. No, it's Thursday. I'm sorry. Um, Thursday afternoon, evening-ish, with our uh, dynamite report from AEW this week. Yep. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode of us. Uh, also, rate us, please. Rate us highly. That's how we get new fans, and we get new fans, and you know we can uh, interact with new people, and we can all meet and talk about wrestling and have a good time. And that'd be nice to have a have a community together. Um, and uh, and don't uh, don't hesitate to hit us up on Twitter um, yeah. at No Bones Wrestling with an R uh, yeah. and at K Fabulous eighty. And that's at K A Y Fabulous eight zero for her. And folks, as Mick Foley would say, have a nice day, and we will see you. Thursday for the AEW Dynamite Report. Uh, we also this weekend we did a Night of Champions review and recap. So um, if you missed that, uh, check it out. It was a pretty fun show. Um, all right, bye. <laughs>